The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, um, I'd like to continue exploring mindfulness today. Um, We started with that last week. And, uh, you know, I think I'm probably going to end up talking about mindfulness for a while. (laughs) There's so many different perspectives to explore mindfulness from. Um, So, uh, um, I'll do a little bit, perhaps each week I'll do just a little bit of a recap. In particular today I'd like to start with looking at what mindfulness is, which I talked a little bit about last week. But then the direction I'd like to explore it from today is... um, Recognizing the quality of mindfulness itself. It's really helpful to um, get familiar with what mindfulness is, um, what, that, what it feels like to be mindful. And so I'll explore mindfulness from that perspective today. So what is mindfulness? Um, you know, it's, um, it's some, some definitions of it, just simple kind of, Familiar definitions might be being present, um, knowing that you're aware. Um, Maybe a kind of a good working definition might be knowing what's happening while it's happening. And that's actually an important aspect of how mindfulness works, that um, when we... um, we can't be... We're aware all the time. Some, Some kind of awareness is happening all the time. Um, although we may be lost in thought. I mean, it's, it's, it's not that our consciousness is gone when we're lost in thought. It's just that our consciousness is not aware of what's happening to us so much in the present moment. It's absorbed into a thought stream. Uh, so, for instance, the um, one time in my, um, on a retreat, I was sitting in the dining room, and I was spaced out. You know, I was just lost in thought. And while I was sitting there spaced out, somebody walked into the room and did some things. And, and, I, and then I started thinking about that person, you know, I started thinking about that person and what they were doing. And so again, I was still lost in thought. And then they left and somebody else walked in and my mind just kind of picked up on the thread of them walking in and thought about them for a little while. And then they walked out. And then at some point I woke up. It's like, oh, here I am sitting in the dining room. <laughs> you know, and my mindfulness returned. And I recognized in that moment what was clear to me was that in that time before there had been awareness. Because I remembered in that moment of waking up, I remembered all the stuff that had been going on. But I hadn't been particularly aware of it while it was happening. I had been lost in my thought world about it. So this, this points to a little bit this quality of mindfulness, which is an awareness of what's happening to us in the present moment. It, to me, points to a, a very ordinary capacity of our minds that is um, it's kind of, I think, of what makes us human, that we can know ourselves. We can, that there's a, a quality in our mind that can know what's happening for us. It's a reflective capacity that, that we can be self-aware, essentially. So it's a very ordinary quality of mind. It's just something we come with as human beings. And the Buddha actually recognized, you know, this is actually a pretty powerful quality when it's joined with a particular perspective on our, uh, on the way we um, attend to our experience. So this is, um, this is actually an important point that, you know, we talk about mindfulness a lot at this center. It's, it's really the foundation of what we explore here. And it's such a beautiful practice to begin to turn towards our experience to explore what's happening for us in the present moment. It's helpful in that turning towards what's happening for us in the present moment to be aware of or to be um, looking at it from a certain perspective. So, for example, you know, you might... If you go out onto the street and just tell any random person who hasn't had any understanding or exploring of mindfulness what, it, what this practice is of being aware of our experience and say, pay attention to your anger. 
When you get angry, pay attention to your angry. Be aware that you are angry. Most people in hearing that would start thinking about their anger. They would start thinking about why they were angry and would just simply be caught in the world of anger. What the, the Buddha suggests, rather than that, is to turn towards the experience of anger. So this is the perspective the Buddha suggests, is that when we become mindful to turn towards what is the experience of anger, not the content, not the thoughts about, but the experience of. And so the, the perspective of mindfulness the Buddha suggests is a turning towards experience, a turning towards what's happening in our a lot in our bodies is a great place to begin this exploration. So what does it feel like to be a human being that feels angry? This perspective of mindfulness is hugely different than thinking about your anger, thinking about why you're angry. And it, it may not seem so hugely different. I know when I first met the teaching of mindfulness and I heard this instruction, you know, the, the first instruction that kind of resonated for me was pay attention to your difficult emotions instead of acting on them or thinking about them. And when I heard that, it's like, well, I don't quite see how that's going to work, but I'll give it a try, you know. So that's what, that was my beginning exploration, to turn towards what does it feel like to be angry, you know. And what I discovered, you know, actually pretty quickly, it feels bad <laughs> to be angry. It doesn't feel very good. And I also began to see that all the movements in my mind around why I was angry and who I was mad at were kind of a, a, a way to not have to feel this feeling of being angry. You know, that it was kind of projecting out on the world that I was angry at them and that that that, that you know, all of my attention was directed outward so that I wouldn't have to feel the feeling in my own experience. So the, the mindfulness practice is um, an exploration of how we are experiencing our emotions, our uh, bodies in the present moment. With this perspective, mindfulness brings a little bit of this just simply reflective capacity you know, that when we can be mindful of our experience and just know, oh, yep, anger is happening, sound is happening, pressure or vibration in the body is happening, pulsing or tightness is happening in the body. When we can bring that perspective, there's a little bit, it's, it's, it's landing us in that part of mindfulness that is just a reflection. It's just this capacity of our mind to know what's happening in the present moment. So it lands us a little bit in that place of that reflective place. You think about a mirror as an analogy. You know, and a, a mirror reflects whatever is in front of it. You know, the, the power of the mirror to reflect the the clarity of that reflection is not impacted by what it reflects. The mirror itself is not impacted by whether there's um, a beautiful landscape or um, a decaying corpse in the mirror. And likewise, our mindfulness can simply know what is happening, whether it's pleasant, unpleasant, beautiful or painful, the mindfulness can know that. And in connecting with that quality, that reflective quality, we begin to touch into a little bit of a non-reactive, non-judgmental quality of mind that can simply meet our experience. Why would we simply meet our experience? You know, why, why would that do anything? And that was my question. You know, how's that going to help? You know, what good is that going to do to be with my anger? What good is that going to do? I had no idea what good it was going to do, but I read in this book it was helpful, and it's like, okay, I'll see. I'll give this a try. And to my surprise, within a very short time, I began to understand how it was helpful. 
it began to, or the first time I became aware of my difficult emotions, it was like, oh my gosh, wow. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I'm angry. What do I do with this? You know, I have no idea what to do with this. I, I guess I just go back to work. And, you know, just recognizing in that moment, wow, this is painful. This hurts. And over the course of a few weeks, I began seeing that, you know, initially, and and anger was my entryway. Anger was my doorway into uh, this practice because my anger was so strong. It was winding up so fast that I couldn't uh, stop it. And I'd just get stuck I'd be frozen in front of my computer, unable to think or work. I was just caught so strongly in that anger. So um, over the course of time, as I began recognizing, oh, I'm angry, I'm angry. What I noticed happening is that the mindfulness began kind of intervening and waking up. Oh, yeah, I'm angry. Oh, yeah, I'm irritated. Oh, I'm heading towards anger. The mind, the mindfulness began recognizing it earlier and earlier in the process, which gave me a lot more space around the anger. And it unfolded from there. I, I won't go into that full story right now because that's not what um, the point of this talk, but just to begin to give you a flavor of the power of mindfulness. That non-reactive awareness has a, a power to allow things to let go on their own, essentially. That when difficult experience is known with mindfulness, the mind and body, in some way, kind of know how to release them on their own. When we can just be, and kind of get out of the way, we get out of the way, essentially, of our uh, experience by just being with it not trying to manipulate it or control it or stop it or fix it or change it or continue it for that matter. But just, oh, this is what's happening right now. The mind and body kind of have an organic way of learning and knowing how to release that over time. It's not something that happens immediately. But with the strengthening of this capacity of mindfulness, this uh, inner navigator towards well-being also gets stronger and stronger. So more mindfulness. The more mindful we are, the more connection we have with this uh, balance of mind that is more at ease with what's happening more able to allow and allow this natural navigation towards well-being to happen. An an openness of heart begins to happen. There's less of a constriction, contraction around our heart. We become more responsive to experience instead of reactive to experience. Our our open heart, instead of reacting to um, pain and struggle, has more of a sense of compassion, a a compassionate response to, rather than an angry response to. So, cultivating mindfulness, how do we cultivate this quality of mindfulness? Initially, the easiest way is often to choose something to bring our attention to, and this is what we did in the guided meditation we chose to first bring our attention to our bodies and allow there to be a relaxing. That's using, uh, directing our attention and uh, encouraging uh, a little bit of relaxation. So we are exploring the mindfulness of body through that. And then I suggested opening, directing the attention to hearing. Choosing to pay, direct our mindfulness to the experience of hearing, just receiving. Again, this is an important aspect of the, um, the way the Buddha talks about mindfulness, that we open to what's happening as opposed to think about what's happening. So receiving the sound, receiving almost like waves, the sound of the cars going by, or the, the distant sound of the leaf blower, you know, just receiving that without judging it or thinking about it, 
very different experience than our minds thinking about the leaf blower and who's doing that and don't they know there's a meditation going on here and why don't they stop that? Very different experience to just be with the sound, to just hear it, to just receive that. So this is directing the attention. And then I suggested directing the attention to the breathing. So this is often the easiest way to begin to um, um, cultivate mindfulness, to pick something and begin to recognize, yes, I'm paying attention to the breathing. I'm knowing the breathing. I'm experiencing the breathing. And then because we have something we're attending to, it's easier to recognize when we lose touch with that. You know, we we go off lost into thinking. We... um, um, you know, our, mind, our minds start thinking about something. We start thinking about the sound or we start thinking about something we did yesterday. And we wake up recognizing, oh, I was paying attention to the breathing. I lost track of that. Let me come back. So it be, it's having something that we particularly direct our attention to gives us a little bit of a sense of when we're mindful and when we're not mindful. It begins to... to uh, give us a, a little bit of that recognition, that familiarity with what it's like to be present, what it's like to be mindful, and having that kind of reference point of something that we've chosen to pay attention to can help us to recognize when we've lost track of that experience. So there's that aspect of cultivating mindfulness, essentially. We choose something to pay attention to. That particular practice works pretty well for sitting meditation or perhaps walking meditation, too, if you're doing a formal walking, a back-and-forth walking meditation, paying attention to the steps, your feet on the ground. In daily life, this particular practice of choosing something to pay attention to tends to go out the window, You know, when we're going in the grocery store, when we're at work, um, when we're making dinner, you know, paying attention to my breathing the whole time I'm at work? I don't think so, you know. I've got to be thinking about the meeting that I'm in. I've got to be connecting with the the people that I'm uh, working with. So um, another kind of exploration um, might be helpful. So one, one piece I want to point to here is that often in the cultivating of mindfulness in a sitting practice, having directing our attention to something, paying attention to the breathing or to hearing, sometimes we, we confuse or conflate this capacity of simply knowing what's happening in the present moment with this quality or aspect of mind that can choose what we're paying attention to that we uh, confuse mindfulness with directing the attention. And if that's the way that you're engaged or thinking about mindfulness, it's going to be pretty hard to be mindful all the time. Because much of the time what we need to do is just kind of know what our minds and bodies are doing, how they're engaging. You know, to not... To to be able to wake up into what the mind is already doing, what the body is already doing... I'm walking across the street. I know I'm walking across the street. I'm reaching for a glass. I know I'm reaching for a glass. I'm standing up or sitting down. I'm talking to somebody. I know that I'm talking to somebody. Just a simple awareness of what's happening while it's happening, as opposed to having the idea of I have to choose what I'm paying attention to. So the mindfulness is more in the side of being aware of what's happening in the present moment knowing what's happening in the present moment while it's happening. So, another angle into this is um, that we cultivate mindfulness. There's... um, One, one teaching, one, one, um, one thing that uh, is sometimes said is that mindfulness is the proximate cause of mindfulness. That in order to be mindful, or mindfulness will encourage mindfulness. 
So how, does it, how, how is there any hope? <laughs> you know, We have to be mindful in order to cultivate mindfulness. How is there any hope? So first of all, I want to talk a little bit about, this, this sounds a little bit technical, but it, it's, I think it, I can connect it to something very direct in your experience. So there's two, two ways or two ways that mindfulness comes. One we could call prompted mindfulness. And this is where, like in the sitting meditation, we're already mindful and we are um, choosing what we are paying attention to or we're, we're encouraging mindfulness. We're already mindful and we are encouraging mindfulness by directing our attention, by exploring how am I right now? So there's this prompted mindfulness which has a kind of a little bit of effort to it. Just reminding ourselves, okay, we're already aware and just reminding ourselves to stay connected with that awareness. Just little bit at a time. You know, if you're paying attention to the breathing, it can be really helpful. There's an in-breath. Can I be there for the in-breath? And then at the end of the in-breath, kind of remind yourself, can I be there for the out-breath? In short moments, and this is actually a very skillful way to cultivate mindfulness, not to sit down and think, okay, I'm going to sit here for 30 minutes, let me be mindful of the entire 30 minutes just as I sit down. That's kind of trying to pick up the whole 30 minutes right in the first second. And that doesn't work, actually. So can we just be mindful of half a breath? And then at the end of that half a breath, you're mindful. You're still aware. So connect to the out-breath. And at the end of the out-breath, remind yourself, okay, now the in-breath. And applying just enough effort to be mindful for half a breath at a time. That's a way of using mindfulness to cultivate mindfulness. Mindfulness is already present. And call this prompted mindfulness. We're prompting it. We're encouraging it. There's another way that mindfulness comes. Thank goodness. It's called what we could call unprompted mindfulness. And this is the spontaneous arising of mindfulness that happens. This happens without our choosing. It is just because we're human and because mindfulness is a capacity in our minds and because mindfulness is extremely useful for navigating our lives, we become mindful from time to time. This reflective capacity, this knowing what's happening while it's happening kicks in. Actually, it kicks in a lot. It happens a lot to us that we become mindful for a split second. So we could call this unprompted mindfulness. This moment of remembering mindfulness. This moment when we recognize. Now, in sitting meditation, this happens all the time. When you've gotten lost in thought and you wake up remembering, oh, here I am, back. That moment is a moment of unprompted mindfulness. You didn't try to do it. You didn't choose to do it. It just happened. If you can begin to recognize those moments of mindfulness, and this is the encouragement in sitting meditation. I mean, that's partly how the sitting meditation works, that we recognize we have this agenda of something we are doing. Pay attention to the breathing, pay attention to the hearing, notice what's happening to our bodies in the present moment. We have this agenda, and we notice when we wake up not doing that, so the, having the agenda in sitting meditation helps us to recognize this moment of unprompted mindfulness, these moments that happen spontaneously. And as those moments of unprompted mindfulness come, then we've got the opportunity to prompt mindfulness. So that's how mindfulness works, that we have to begin to get familiar with that moment of unprompted mindfulness. The more familiar we can get with that moment of remembering when mindfulness re-arises, the more opportunities we have to cultivate mindfulness. So it's really helpful to begin to get familiar with what this quality of unprompted mindfulness feels like. And this is a great exploration for daily life practice. 
Because this, this moment of remembering, that's another th- way I like to talk about it, the moment of remembering ourselves, we, we come back into awareness. The moment of remembering happens all the time. We don't usually recognize it. It's kind of just below the level of our conscious awareness to recognize that we have become aware. Because what happens is that we become aware for such a split second, for such a brief moment, usually what happens. So we become aware for such a brief moment, and then we start thinking about what we have become aware of. We start using that moment of recognizing what's happened to further our day, to further our agenda, to decide whether that's helpful or not helpful for us. What do I need? What do I need to get rid of? We just we start uh, using the things we become aware of in our kind of habitual ways. So, for instance, you walk into, um, into your house and you see um, um, there's piles of mail on your desk. And it's like, oh, right, I have, to, I have to take care of those piles of mail. As opposed to recognizing, I've become aware of seeing. I've become aware of seeing piles of mail. Now that sounds like a you know, silly thing. Why do I need to become aware of seeing piles of mail? Well, part of, part of the point is to just begin to recognize that this capacity, this quality of becoming aware happens to us all the time. So the, the more we get interested in or exploring this moment of remembering the more we'll actually notice it happening for us throughout our day. And this is a great way to practice mindfulness in daily life because it doesn't take any effort. All it takes is the interest in exploring, oh, here it is, I'm back. What does it feel like to be present in this moment? So we rarely actually notice this quality of mindfulness itself when it re-arises. We're typically leaping onto what we have become aware of and doing something with it. So this exploration of recognizing mindfulness itself, this is part of this exploration that I like to encourage. Notice when you become aware. And this also supports a really relaxed way of paying attention because that moment of the re-arising of mindfulness doesn't take any effort at all. So we don't have to do anything. It's just a little bit of, there's a little bit of intentionality to connect with what has happened in that moment. Oh, I've actually become aware. But in that moment, what I suggest in that moment is not, especially in daily life, is not so much to then um, um, try to force yourself to stay mindful, but just continue with what you're doing. Just notice, begin to notice this moment of remembering and you'll start to notice that it happens a lot in your day. And it'll begin to infuse your day with a little bit of mindfulness, which begins to support us because the more we recognize this capacity, this quality of mindfulness, actually what I find happening is the more I recognize that moment, the more it begins to point itself out to me. Because we're familiar with it. As we become familiar with what it feels like to become mindful, then we begin to recognize it actually happens a lot. Something more. Are there any questions at this point about what I've said? Yeah, would you pass the mic up? When you become mindful of a particular situation and you realize you're mindful in that moment, the insight keeps popping up for me because when I become mindful and I bring myself into my experience, um, I can't help but sometimes have a thought that is actually related to how I'm feeling about that mindfulness moment. Uh-huh, uh-huh. 
Does that almost always come with mindfulness? Um, I don't always enjoy the experience either. Yes. I'm, I'm saying sometimes it's really something nice, and other times it's a, a, um, a, a realization that I have over and over again. Yes. Well, mm. you know, the, the, I mean, as I said in my initial exploration of this, it was like I was looking at anger in one of my things. It's like, yeah, I recognize when mindfulness came back. That, I mean, what I recognize is, wow, okay, yep, I'm angry, you know. This is not pleasant, you know. What do I do with this? <laughs> um, so the, it, it, can be, it can be pleasant, it can be unpleasant, um, that moment of re-arising depends on what the mindfulness arises into. It will reflect what's happening. It will, it will reflect that. It, and and it may, there may be thought, there may not be thought. It will really just depend. There's, there's so many different ways that, that it can be. But did you have another aspect to your question? I sometimes think it's counterproductive to have the thought with the mindfulness because you're looking at the mindfulness itself as a raw experiential kind of thing, whether it's feeling... Well, mindfulness can also be aware of thought. So that's another, another um, exploration. I mean, my guess is actually you become mindful and then, you know, what's happening is that you're also mindful in that moment of there's a thought about what's happening. And that's, you probably couldn't stop that thought. <laughs> so, you know, counterproductive or not, it's just that's what's happened. You know, so just notice, oh, this is, this is what happens as mindfulness re-arises. You know, for me, what happened when mindfulness re-arose into that anger the first time is like, whoa, this isn't pleasant, you know. Like, okay, you know, that's what's going on. But just the willingness to keep uh, exploring with mindfulness. Um, it, it's a little bit of a leap of faith or a kind of a leap of trust. You know, does this really help? Does this really help? And, you know, it's... Uh, um, for me, I was in such dire straits around my anger. It was like I was willing to keep trying, even though it was like, well, this is really unpleasant. I have no idea what to do with this. I was willing to just keep trying, and actually pretty quickly, within the space of a few weeks, I clearly understood how powerful and helpful it was to just have those little moments of mindfulness. So keep exploring. Keep exploring for yourself. And, you know, the the... The noticing that thoughts are there, you know, that's, again, it's not a problem with that. I mean, that, that's, um, it's so common to think, oh, I shouldn't be thinking when I'm mindful. But if that's the way we think of mindfulness, there's huge chunks of our life that we couldn't be mindful of. Because in our daily lives, we have to engage with thinking. And so the exploration is, and this is a slow exploration, this is a, it's not something that happens very quickly that we can be able to be aware of thinking while, we're, while it's happening. More often, it becomes more of an interleaved thing initially. It's like we have a thought and we become aware, oh, I thought that. I have another thought, oh, I thought that. Or we have a string of thoughts and we become aware, oh, yeah, my mind is heading down that path. So that we, we kind of, in retrospect, begin to recognize our thoughts. And that's fine. I mean, it's, it's not an easy place to, um, to bring mindfulness. A way I like to suggest people explore thought is to recognize when there's a thought. And I suggested this in the guided meditation as well. You know, you wake up into thinking, how has it impacted you? you know, what, is, what does it feel like to have been thinking that thought? And then turn towards that as opposed to continue either judging yourself for thinking or continuing on the thought. thought I like how you brought that into our meditation. And when I did that, it was the same feeling I have often when I become mindful. And I think the part of it that is unbalanced or doesn't feel good sometimes is that you're not grounded in anything. You're kind of taking that leap, literally. And what do you somewhere. Mean not, what do you mean not grounded? Um, there's no conclusion, and it's sometimes a, um, it's an awareness of how you are in that moment, uh-huh. but you almost want like a remedy to, yes. to okay. fix yeah. it. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, and that's, that is the leap of faith. That, that is the leap of faith, and, and recognizing, oh, it feels unsettling to be here. That's, that's yet another exploration, you know, so... Okay, this, this is awareness of this. And oh, it feels a little unsettling. And again, in daily life, I, rec- I often recommend just notice yourself coming into awareness around that 
take a moment to notice the impact of that, and then just go on with your day. Just, just kind of continue with your day. In sitting meditation, you can take more time to explore. Oh, I've been off thinking about that argument. And then, okay, and how is it now? Oh, you know, there's the tightness, there's the contraction, there's the, the fear, there's the unsettledness, there's all kinds of things going on. And then, um, you know, the, the part of it is the leap of faith or the, 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 the trust is, you know, we're so used to... Um, solving our problems or thinking that the way to solve our problems is to think about them, to figure them out. And what I have found, actually, uh, is that the mindfulness offers a different route. It's not, it's not so active. It's not so um, much engaged within, uh, with... Um, a choice to do or act. It's more that kind of allow that, that what I said earlier, that allowing a more organic navigation towards well-being. The mind and body actually have, I think for most of us have, uh, there's, a, there's a, apparently, I understand a few people who have some brain damage for who this doesn't work. But um, for most of us, we have a kind of a natural a mechanism that guides us towards well-being. And if we can allow that mechanism to work, we get a um, uh, we'll, we may get some insights into the problem or the confusion or the situation that we wouldn't have expected and we wouldn't have come up with by thinking about. And so essentially I look at, in terms of the difficulty, our difficult states, our reactive states, when we become mindful of them, the trust is to see if we, if we can uh, allow a different kind of information to come in and inform us. It's like gathering new information, this, this willingness to be mindful, gathering the information of how does it feel to be in this space? And what's, what's here? You know, what's actually here? You know, there's so many layers in our heart around our, our struggles and our challenges. And just the layers of, you know, first resistance and then perhaps anger and then maybe fear under that anger and then maybe vulnerability under that fear. And there's so many layers that the mindfulness can help to... Uh, open us to. And as we navigate those layers, it's like we, we open to new information that we may not consciously be aware of. And so it does take a trust. Um, and I just encourage you to, to explore, play with it. Yeah. Any, other, any other questions? Yeah, Carla. Is this on? Yeah. Once I was, uh, it was just a coincidence on my way to IMC once. Um, Hold was, it a little closer. I was listening to the, there was a song that came on. I don't often have the radio on, but this case I did. And there was a song that came on, and, it, and the lyric was, um, I'm being held in the arms of the great wide open being held in the arms of the great wide open. And it has haunted me ever since. In fact, I made a little banner in my art studio that says, being held in the arms of the great wide open. And um, Hold it a little closer. And because I just love that. For me, mindfulness has so much about, and they've been doing more and more studies, and I just recently talked about this to a group of people who are um, educators, uh, about the science behind mindfulness about it's very much like the attachment. Of course, this is kind of an oxymoron because we talk about not being you know, attached in Buddhism. But um, the at healthy attachment having to do with one caretaker that can be trustworthy in a child's life. We are kind of re-embodying this. I'm seeing more and more uh -huh. in mindfulness, and the studies are um, less cortisol at that fight or flight. Um, 
and it's actually been helping me to know the science behind mindfulness mm -hmm. because it's very validating in that it is this being held in the arms quality. It is. It and is. It's, it's amazing to me so. that it yeah. actually is a, um, a physiological truth. And each time we are de even gently, incrementally allowing that soft being held, oh, come here, you know, anxiety, whoever you are. Yeah. We are quite literally reparenting ourselves. Indeed. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, over here. More of a, more Could you use the, the mic? Yeah. And, and just so you know, part of the reason is that the, um, we record what's here, and then there are also some people who are using the hearing-assisted devices, and they can hear more easily if you're using the mics. Yeah, uh, it's more of a comment, I guess, uh, kind of dovetailing on what um, the lady over there and you were t talking about. But um, it seems more like the mindfulness, the consciousness of that is not necessarily is offered as much as a solution, say, to the problem or to the anger. But as you were saying, kind of if you imagine your, your heart or your anger or your emotion as being a knot pulled really tight in that moment of driving down the freeway and having some rude, you know, or, you know, whatever person... You know, it's not going to solve that problem, but by becoming, by acknowledging that emotion, that anger, that stress, that guilt, the depression, or whatever that might be, it sort of loosens the knot a little bit. And as you know, once the you know, as you, I think you commented earlier about allowing um, the the rather than a con constriction, but a, a contraction or an opening, you let you allow the currents to flow, and um, and that in and of itself is is the healing. I think that's right. It's, yes, it's not necessarily well, all my problems are simply going to fall away, but by allowing that openness as responsiveness, as you, uh, you had also mentioned earlier, uh, it allows that sort of current to flow, and uh, that in itself, you know, suffuses throughout the body, and, uh, uh, you know, it's amazing. Absolutely, and it's, I think that's a good way to look at it, mindfulness as a lubricant. You know, it's, it's the lubricant, and it allows the, the, the loosening to happen. And then in that loosening, it's like the mind can begin to see new perspectives on things. It's not, when we're, we're tight and caught up in that knot, it's like there's only one perspective we can see through. And when there's more of a loosening around all of the ways that knot is put together, there's more of an opportunity for us to recognize, oh, you know, actually there's, there's some other ways to navigate here. So that, that that does bring more space. I, I sometimes use the analogy of space, that mindfulness brings space to our um, experience and gives us a, you know, we can look at it from different sides and, as opposed to being like, you know, caught up right inside of it. Anything else? I have a few more things to offer about this. So, um, um, let's see. So a couple, a couple of pieces around what it feels like. You touched on this a little bit, that it doesn't always feel good, you know. Um, so the moment of remembering, you know, whether in sitting or in uh, daily life, even that moment can have some different qualities. Like, you know, sometimes it feels like it's really clear that moment when we recognize oh I'm lost in thought and, th and that moment you become completely aware wow I'm thinking at this moment and it's like the light has gone on it's like somebody has flipped a, a switch so that it's gone from dark to light and that, that begins to give us a flavor of the difference between being aware and being lost and that's an important thing to recognize it's just in that moment when we become aware Take, see if you can take a moment to recognize how does it feel now that I'm aware versus a few moments ago. And that begins to point to that more reflective quality. So it, it begins to give us a little bit more of a sense of that feeling of awareness itself. Because we see in, in that kind of the light going on, it's like the difference between being in a dark room and a light room. There's more that can be known, more that can be seen. Other times, it's more like a dimmer switch. You know, it's more like 
maybe just a little bit of light comes on, you know, and so it's just, it, it's, not, it's not quite so clear, the spontaneous re-arising of mindfulness. It almost feels more like you're coming out of the mud, kind of like there's a suction back to the being lost. Now, and this can happen if there's a really strong pull back into our thinking. So just know that it, it can feel different ways at different times, that coming into mindfulness. And then also, um, the feeling of being mindful can be different when we're actually aware, present. This is something um, I like to, to point to because people often get, um, I wouldn't say attached, but get familiar with one kind of mindfulness. For instance, the directing of attention. You know, that we focus our attention onto some experience. You get familiar with what it feels like to be mindful in that way. And then the only, um, uh, only way that you know how to be mindful is through that directing of attention. As opposed to recognizing, oh, actually I can be mindful to just the just the mindfulness can actually be aware of whatever is already happening. I don't have to choose what I'm paying attention to. It's more like the mindfulness following the attention as opposed to the attention leading the mindfulness. Does that make sense? Do you know what I mean, the difference between that? Anybody not get that? So, so it's more like the, the mindfulness following the attention than the attention, um, than the... Um, mindfulness choosing. You know, when we have mindfulness, we can choose what we pay attention to. But it's not necessary. So that's a distinction, that, that the attention, that we can be mindful when we're directing the attention, and we can be mindful when we're not directing the attention. We can become aware of what is already happening. Then there's, you know, a difference between um, mindfulness when we're focused on something, and this is also a way that we often confuse um, mindfulness, that we feel like, you know, what does it mean to be mindful? It means I'm, I'm, I'm focused on something. I'm aware of some particular thing. Like if I'm washing dishes, it means I'm aware of the sensations of my hands while I'm washing dishes. That's what mindfulness would mean in that situation. As opposed to, it's also po- that's one way to be mindful in that situation, but it's also possible to just be more open and know kind of the whole sense of the body and mind. Oh, the mind's feeling agitated while I'm washing dishes. There's tension in my, ab- there's tension in my abdomen while I'm washing dishes. And oh, there's that thought of having to make lunch for my daughter while I'm washing dishes. So there's, there's a broader sense of of the knowing, so that we don't have to, it doesn't have to be just the sense of choosing or directing attention. So the, the, the mindfulness can be either directed or panoramic. Kind of like, you know, if you're looking at a landscape, you can choose to look at a given tree and say, that's what I'm looking at right now, and explore that tree. Look at the shape, look at the color, look at the Um, texture of the bark. You can explore that tree. Or you can back off and look at the landscape as a whole and and kind of take in a broader perspective. Mindfulness can do that as well. It can can be in a broader um, mode or a a more narrow mode. There's another way of um, mindfulness feeling different at different times. And this is an important one too. At least I found it important um, for myself, and that is there's often the sense of when we're aware of something, particularly a difficulty, a difficult emotion, there's a little bit of a sense of stepping back from it when the mindfulness comes in. There's a sense of being an observer, of having a little bit of a distance between ourselves and the experience. It's like that space I was talking about. That it gives us some space around it. So that's one way that it can feel that when we become mindful of, a, of something, it can feel like we're, a, we're an observer and separate from that thing. So it can give us that sense of space. Another way it can feel is 
not that it's kind of like I, I have this image of you know if, if the thing that we're mindful of has a certain shape or texture you know it's kind of like this size sometimes it can feel like the mindfulness is bigger than that and we're kind of looking at that thing from the outside or um, you know that there's a there's a distance from it it can also feel like the mindfulness comes up from inside that experience and there's no distance at all. It's just like you're, it's, it's like a feeling of being completely with that experience as opposed to being separate from it. And for me, it was important to recognize that this too is a way that mindfulness can function. And I've, I've seen also with, um, in teaching that there are times when people are mindful and aware, and they're trying to find that space, that separation, that distance. But that's not how the mindfulness is working in that moment. That it's more that coming up from inside. And they're struggling against how the mindfulness is already working. So just be aware that there's different ways that mindfulness feels at different times. To be curious about... The basic question is, am I aware... If you are aware, if you can ask yourself that question, there is some mindfulness present. Be curious then about how does it feel to be aware in this context and begin to explore from within your own experience all the different ways that it feels to be mindful. And of course, it will feel different to be mindful when the, the situation is different. If, the, if there's anger coming up, it feels very different than if joy is coming up. Or the whole experience feels different. The mindfulness itself doesn't feel different. And that's another, another point in this exploration of recognizing mindfulness itself because the more we get familiar with that kind of reflective, neutral capacity of mindfulness to just simply be with or know what is happening while it's happening, we begin to touch into the sense of non-reactivity that comes with that... Um, just that reflectiveness so that the more we can kind of touch into the quality of the capacity of mindfulness itself, we begin to see, oh, the knowing of anger actually feels pretty calm, pretty at ease. The knowing of joy feels pretty calm, pretty at ease. So that 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 is a, it is an exploration. It is not something that you may notice right away, but it is a direction that we begin to recognize when we get familiar with mindfulness itself. We begin to see that it brings some of these qualities of non-reactivity, of calm, of peace, of ease, even as there are difficulties happening. And it's time to stop. So... Uh, I'll be away for the next three weeks, a combination of teaching retreats and visiting family. And uh, there will be people here, uh, teachers I've invited, teachers to teach for the next three Tuesday mornings. So there'll be somebody here to teach. And then I'll continue with this conversation on mindfulness when I return. So take care. <laughs>